0: To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss.
1: Welcome to Puro Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, metro columnist, and I'm joined by
0: Brian Chasnoff, investigative reporter,
2: Kerry Clack, columnist at editorial board.
1: Well, we had a, a big election uh, last week in uh, District 118—a special election runoff—and anyone who follows uh, that district knows that it's been dominated for decades by Democrats. We've had some really prominent uh, South Side Democrats uh, holding that office over the years, from Cyril Rodriguez, Frank Tejeda, Carlos Uresti, Joe Farias, and the one Republican who's kind of been able to defy that Democratic dominance uh, has been uh, our guest today. Uh, John Luhan, who is a retired firefighter and uh, an, an IT executive, won a special election runoff in January 2016 in, in District 118. And last Tuesday, he did it again. He beat uh, Frank Ramitas, a, a uh, former uh, legislative aide and city council aide, uh, a young Democrat from uh, the South Side. And uh, John, uh, congratulations on your win. And uh, thank you for joining our podcast. We really appreciate it.
3: Well, Gilbert, thank you for having me here, and and, and I, I enjoy it. And yes, thanks. Uh, I am John Luhan, uh, and I just recently won State Representative District One Eighteen. When
1: when you look at it, I mean, we we know that uh, special elections are, are are unusual. I mean, they're sprints; you don't have a lot of time. Um, the turnout tends to be a lot lower, although it was relatively good in this election. Uh, when you look at what what the key was in in as a Republican winning in what is traditionally been a democratic district, what do you think the keys were for you?
3: Man, I, you know what, Gilbert, I think it was uh, several factors. The first being, I have a long reputation uh, living on the South side in the middle of the Democrat district. I run a football league. I run an IT company where I, where I have these projects within my company, some contracts that we've won that I always use. People make fun of me. They say, oh, there's an opening. John's going to go hire a kid from the South side. And I say, yeah, because we're breaking cycles of poverty through technology. I'm involved in our school district. And just... Just life, right? And I'm in church, and then I have boys, five boys, and uh, been married 37 years. We're just a, we're a fixture in our community. You put that together with the national mood that's going around, as far as you know, the border situation, the Afghanistan thing, just all of the mood of the country of itself, which I didn't think was going to be a big factor, but it ended up being a big factor because I would talk to people. I would I downplayed that a lot, but then when I when I would walk around and hear people just fed up, scared, disgusted, gas prices, this, that. I think it it had a percentage factor in my election, no doubt. You know,
0: John, I guess I would ask you, how much, how much blame would you actually put on the Democratic Party for some of the things that are, some of the frustrations that Americans are feeling right now that you ticked off there?
3: Man, you know what? I would think, if we're talking specific in my neighborhood, I, I really think that, the dem- some of those people feel disenfranchised. They feel like they, are especially if they're the middle of the road, they, they think that things are going so far left. You know, we do have the far right, right, which can can be damaging to me. We have the far left that can be the left side damaging to me too as, as a candidate, right? So, but I think um, just that mood is is, is kind of hurt the the Democrat Party, um, and I think we're seeing it right now. Just a little bit of a trend going on.
0: Now, do, would you say these are? What's what's top of the list for the frustrations that you've heard? Is it social issues or economic issues, uh, public health issues? I mean.
3: You know what, I just think it's it's the fighting. I'm, you know, I, here's what I really, really ran on. When people came up to me and this really infuriated me and I'm a candidate, so I can't be rude or ugly about it, right? But when somebody comes to me, are you Democrat? Or are you Republican? And I say, I'm a Republican. And they say, well, then I'm not voting for you because I never vote for a Republican. I say, why not? I mean, you don't even know me, get to know me first. Same thing if they told me, Mr. Luhan, are you Democrat or Republican? I say, I'm a Republican. I say, Oh, right, you got my vote. I'm a Republican. I say, Well, why? You don't know me. You haven't talked to Frank, you don't know me. You're just so these labels, but and those are those hardcore on the on the right and left. But I think the general people are trying to stay away from that and they don't like that. And I think the message that I brought, staying focused on the issues. I didn't go negative. Frank can't say that I said anything Mm -hmm. negative about him. In fact, some of my campaign team, Hey, let's bring up this. And did you know this about him? I I don't care about him person. you know, his personal life or what he's doing or where he's at. I don't care about that. I said, let's just focus on job creation. That's big for me. Education's big for me. If we stay focused on the issues that just resonated and I think when you go back and look at it, both parties, it's what what an example for both parties, right? Hey, let's get away from playing so much vote Democrat, vote Republican and say, let's vote for this person because they truly care about their community. And they just happen to be a Democrat or they happen to be a Republican. I think that's got to be the new narrative. At least for me, it worked. Right. Talking about the uh,
2: how you were surprised at how some of the national stuff, international stuff, Afghanistan and things uh, were on people's minds. Is this going to change uh, your priorities?
3: Well, you know, na- national issues. You know, uh, I'm going to say no. I, like right now, here's my big focus. In the next two weeks, I'm putting together because I just happened to be blessed. I was on. The, I, I was. I sit on the board for the Saint Jude, Saint Jude Ranch for Children. Uh, they do foster care and adoption, and I sit on that board. I know all the leaders in that, so I'm getting state leaders. I'm going to meet with folks here in Austin. I'm bringing a round table together because we've got somebody told me, John, you don't have to do anything until the next election, you know then and I say, no, I don't know how you, you guys know the last time I won the special and and then I lost the general election, so I don't know how long I'll have the seat. I have the title now, and I want to do something with it, right even if it's just starting the legislative process to do the right thing and if it and if it happens and I'm not elected I don't need the credit I just want to get it done so there are some key things that I'm going to be working on here in these next few months and I don't know if I'm going to be the busiest state rep but I'm going to be a very busy state rep for district 118 and a lot of them are going to be issues to ourselves and other going to be state issues and and the big one of course foster care and, and the adoption issues that we're facing so Um, I'm going to stay real busy doing those kind of things. But as far as the national uh, stuff, there's really not much I can do. Just like when people say, Hey, would you support Donald Trump? And I, you know, my answer to them, well, what is he doing? Is he doing something in Florida that I need to support or not? No. What about for president? I "I don't know if he's running, who's he running against? And people want to make it the national narrative. I try to bring it on down, you know, so that's, that's the situation right now.
1: John, keeping at the state level, and you've talked about you know wanting to kind of break past party labels, and 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 I think what you're talking about is trying to work in some kind of bipartisan fashion. And along those lines, you know, one of the big issues in Texas over the past decade, um, and we've been we've had this kind of uh, stalemate here, uh, has been the issue of um, Medicaid expansion, which. Um, by all accounts, would would provide health insurance to more than a million uninsured Texans. The federal government would pick up about ninety percent of the tab on that, and um, there are at least some Republicans. Uh, you know, Lyle Larson, who is you know the out, an outgoing state representative from San Antonio, was was uh, advocating mm-hmm. for Medicaid expansion. Wrote an op-ed in our paper about that. But there are members of your party who kind of blocked that along the way, um, and certainly it could get passed with some support in your party. What what is your take on on Medicaid expansion, and and what if anything would, will you do on that uh, once you're in the legislature?
3: Well, and and there again, this is this is I'm in the, I'm in that district where I'm heavy Democrat. I'm like you know, and so that's going to be a big issue for me. Medicaid expansion is is going to be needed. We're going to need to do that. But my thing is, it we've got to man. Here's what makes it so difficult. It gets even worse and worse when we're just spending, spending, spending. Right, so. How do I how much involvement do I have as a state rep as far as in the border issues from from the state perspective or supporting it for the for national reform? But, man, all these people continuously coming in. You know, I have my both my older boys uh, live in Costa Rica and they come back and forth to San Antonio, Costa Rica and they're IT professionals. And my son has a girlfriend there and got her visa and she wants to come over here. But she has all this regulations concerning getting the vaccine or having all this proof and this and this and then yet at the border we're letting thousands and thousands a day of people coming in with covid and these nobody's checking those folks and then that's taxing our 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 medical supplies tremendously i have friends down in the border that they just say this is not sustainable and then you and then you guys know we have other caravans coming coming that'll be here soon that's going to tax our law enforcement our schools our medication. And the big thing is, oh, we get federal dollars to pay for it, or we can put more state money on it. That's our tax dollars, and so if we're not gonna if we're not gonna be responsible with those uh, with those tax dollars. You know, um, if I want to be responsible with them, if we had that extra man, we could do the Medicaid expansion, take care of our folks that are here versus all this drain over there. So, so are, yes, are I'm gonna, for Medicaid expansion, but yeah. but it's, it's got to be. I got to make sure the numbers and the cost is there. Right. Okay. And that's where I got, we can't just throw money at problems like that. I'm responsible as a state representative. I'm responsible for taxpayers money. And I'm going to take that response because that's my money. And it's easy if you just say, oh, we'll get it from the federal government. Where do they get? They don't, you know, I know they're printing it right now. That's that's not that's not good. And that's not good for our future. The
1: argument that's been made, including by people like Lyle Larson, is that, you know, Texas is sending a lot of uh, tax doll- money to the federal government. And so it's really just common sense for Texas to try to bring some of that money back to Texas and and cover the uninsured in Texas. I mean, would you, would you accept that argument?
3: There, there's definitely merit to that argument. Right. So I, and, and that's now that I'm state representative, I want to go in and look at, you know, what is that holdup? Why are, why are so many people against it? Why? Because you're right. If that money's there and we can use that for our citizens, especially in, in, in my district down at this level, you know, there's gotta be a compelling reason why not to, or because there is a compelling reason that we need to. John,
1: I want to ask you a little bit about uh, the the recent executive order from from, uh, uh, Governor Abbott, who, as we all know, was a a big supporter of yours and uh, helpful in in your campaign. Uh, Governor Abbott uh, recently issued an executive order which uh, banned private businesses from uh, implementing mandates, mask mandates for their employees. And you're someone who comes from the, the business world. And I guess I, I just wanted to get your sense, you know, if, if you have hypothetically a small business, let say 25 employees or so, and the owner of that business wants to create a, a policy saying, if you're going to be in the workplace, wear a mask during the pandemic. In the interest of trying to keep the employees safe, do you you do, do you think it's right for the governor to ban private businesses from implementing policies like that for themselves that they think might create a healthier workforce or, or workplace for themselves?
3: You know, uh, any any kind of mandates on, on uh, that we have to wear a mask, you know, uh, or, or have to have the vaccine, that scares me. Right now, you know, there's a big hoopla, right, with the vaccine coming down from the federal government that, empl- you know, employers with over 100 people have to have their employees have to be vaccinated. Uh, To me, that's totally wrong. Uh, I have one of those companies, right? And man, everybody, I have a bunch of my employees that have the vaccine. And if they want to have the vaccine, man, my wife got the vaccine. I didn't. I had COVID and I had, um, I was sick for about a week, week and a half. Man, I feel good. I've been around people with COVID. I just, I just don't I personally don't want it? I don't want my sons to have it because they're healthy, they're young. Now, if my, one of my sons was sick, or if there was a reason, a compelling reason, then I would say okay. But to mandate that for businesses, that's just a bunch of. That's going to be a lot of chaos. Uh, I, I'd have people that would want to walk out. I don't know how I would do myself even because you know I don't feel like I need to be vaccinated. Uh, and there again, you know, I say that. Gilbert, but I don't want to be labeled wrong. You know, my mom and dad, you know, I wanted them to be vaccinated because my dad has underlying health conditions and and um, maybe susceptible and, and, and a bout of, of COVID could be deadly for him. So, yes, that's protect. You know, I want them protected. But me myself, since I've already had COVID, that's my personal decision. That, I understand. And, and, and I don't. You know what I mean, and so I don't like anything that comes down in mandates. I guess my question is is because
1: the the as you said the federal uh, uh, mandate from uh, the Biden administration was for 100 businesses with 100 or more employees, and that's kind of being challenged legally, and we don't know how, how that's going to end up. Um, but what uh, the governor has done this would impact even small businesses which are under 100 people, and and in this case, it's actually telling the businesses, and that's why what I'm, what I'm really wonder, wondering: Do you think Do you think the the private businesses ought to have the right to decide for themselves if they want to impose a mandate rather than having the governor tell them you can't do it? I'm not going to allow you to do it. If you're even if you have a small business and you just want to have a policy for your workplace, I'm not going to allow you to to mandate masks. Do you do you feel comfortable with that?
3: You know, and that's a, a, a little controversial thing there. Me personally, I go back to the individual you know, the individual's rights. If, if you don't want to wear a mask. Now, if, if, if I I get, let me put it this way, I guarantee I have people in my office that would not want that, that are just totally anti-maskers even. And then I have some that, that wear masks all the time, which I don't care. So if you go to my office, it, everybody's doing different things. and I And I really, really don't care. But I don't want to be able to 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 mandate and make those it's going to cause problems now if I went to my employees and I said listen man I personally want you to wear a mask I know they would do it because it's more for me but I don't want them to be compelled to do it I really believe in the individual rights because where does it go from there now if this was you know it's it's like the child vaccines you know it kind Hmm. of thinking I'm thinking of it like that I think it's going to end up being mandatory for these kids I had not one not one kid in our school died you know of covid I, I checked with our superintendent we didn't have any and, and yet we're going to go and vaccinate them all i you know i don't i you know i know that's very controversial we can argue about it and stuff but i yeah. just don't see that but going back to the individual rights i just think a business shouldn't compel people you know john more. john
0: i was going uh, to interrupt i was going to ask you do you do you oppose the more routine vaccination mandates in uh, in schools now so, for things like measles
3: well, no, I mean, those, those, um, those have been, you know, proven FDA approved um, test of time type deal, you know, and maybe I'm a little bit more cautious for my boys and stuff. Maybe in a few years, you know, if if COVID is really that bad and, and I mean, it, I know it's bad, but if COVID is continuing to be that bad at that level or something in three or four years and it proves that, Hey, these, and they, they get FDA approved to me, that's like a, that's a different animal, a different stage. And then we get them then then we can make better more informed decisions
0: so so it really comes down to you not trusting the newness of of the vaccines or or really even the the scientific community that uh assures us that they're safe
3: you're right you know and, and but you know when we say that it's not me personally right i but here again you know i go back to my mom and dad they asked me and they came, man, I think we're going to get the shot. And cause we're kind of worried. And, you know, dad's got heart conditions of, and, and I said, man, let's, you know, yes, of course, you know, cause I want them peace of mind. And they're given, they looked at, you know, what they're going to look at and they see it, but science doesn't say that John Luhans going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm healthy. I've had COVID. Um, there's a lot of research that if you've had COVID, then, you know, then you're, that's the best immunity that you can have. There's scientific proof of that. So I think I'm good, but that's my informed decision. Now, if I had an underlying condition, that might change that, right? But as of right now, I, and I really don't like being forced to do it now, either. You now, know? Now,
0: just to, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, anyone on this podcast right now, but I, <laughs> yeah. I think it's actually that vaccin- vaccines are, are proven more effective than past infections is what I've read, but just for the record.
3: Yeah, and, and you're right. Yeah. It, it, there, there is writings to that, but then I've also read where immunities have been right so it just and and they were doctors too and so you're right there's there's people coming from both ways so i but you said it right where did you where did you read where did you read that john oh man uh i'd have to i'd have to look that up i mean i can i can find that for you i mean i have uh, yeah i mean i mean sourcing is is such an
0: issue sure. these days right with uh social media and you know distrust of the news media and so forth so I was just curious if you knew but
3: yeah no no but but I I could find that I do have the sources because I have a whole bunch of stuff on it that we look because you know I I I want what's best for for myself and my you know my uh, give me another example my wife had COVID and she had it pretty bad and uh I went ahead and 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 after she got COVID I said man you don't I don't think you've already been through it when the shot came out she goes no I I want to be vaccinated (laughs) And I you know, I said well I don't really think you need to and we had a discussion and then she ended up getting vaccinated and mm-hmm. I I drove her down there to get vaccinated right and then she told me man maybe you should for yours I said no I'm fine it, you know but but then again that's not that's a that's the way it should be right she wanted it we discussed it I didn't why should I be forced or compelled or those type of things to do that it, it that's not, I just don't feel that's a country we
1: when we don't have to up. spend this issue too long, but I, but I think to Brian's point, I mean, we've all, all those of us who've grown up in Texas, we grew up with regu- requirements that we get, re- receive certain vaccines if we wanted to be allowed in, in schools. And and I think most of us accepted that. And it's, I, it's just an interesting thing how, in the case of this, this vaccine, there's been more of a pushback against that sort of thing. But um <laughs> I, uh, I b- before we wrap things up, I, I John, I, I, I want to uh, just briefly talk about you know the the politics of the district because we've gone through the redistricting process now, and if if the the maps that were approved hold up in court, um, District One Eighteen, which as we've mentioned was has been a. Uh, pretty solid democratic district. Now it's kind of looking like a, like a kind of a toss-up district. I mean there, it, it definitely is going to leaning more in the red direction than it was before. Um, what are your thoughts about your prospects now going into a general election? as you pointed out in 2016 when you won the special uh, and then uh, you uh, lost the, the general election that November. What, do you, what are your thoughts about this this time around?
3: This time around, I, I'm going to tell you, Gilbert, I think you're right. It's uh, It was heavy, heavy de- Democrat. It's still, it's still, to me, if you looked at it objectively, it's still clearly a Democrat district, even with the redistricting. But what changes that, and I know a lot of people say, well, up north, it takes in a little bit of more universal city in the Republican area, but it really moves out all in the southwest. So I didn't have Southwest High School or any of the southwest area, and it takes all the Southwest Bear County now. But really, without it, I don't know if anybody knew that or not, but that helps me. My brother pastors a church in that area. I've worked with a lot of youth in that area. I've worked with their school district on different projects. And I'm thinking, I started at the wow, that they might be talking about the northern sector, but that southern sector really helps me. But I think that, along with no more straight ticket voting, which I think hurt me last time in the general, mm-hmm. and then along with me just you know, I'm just going to work hard and I'm not running hard to be reelected. I'm running hard because that's what I'm supposed to do. And that's, that's mm-hmm. just me. So I'm going to work hard on the issues. And I think people are going to see that. And that, and I needed that people that have known my work ethic, known what I stand for and what I'm about are the ones that are the Democrats that I got to vote for me this last time. And they're the ones that came, came over. And I just think um, and only good things happen if I work hard because I either get reelected or I do something great for our community. And, then I'm, and I'm something to be proud of, if I, even if I don't get reelected. Right. So yeah. I don't have to be a politician. <laughs> I, man, I tell you what, I'm super busy with with our youth groups and the things that I, I have fun in life. And you know, I've got a good thriving business. I, I don't need to be in politics but I'm doing it because I feel obligated because of the blessings I've received. I just want to, you know, help out our
1: community. Hey John, it was, was, I really appreciate you joining the podcast. Uh, You know, good luck to you. And, 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 uh, and thanks again.
3: Hey, but listen, uh, Gilbert also, on a serious note, I listen to Poodle Politics all the time and, uh, and I, I record you guys. Sometimes if I, sometimes, you, you know, we, sometimes we're on different sides of, sure. of the fence and sometimes I get mad at you guys, but it's okay. Yeah, that's I can right. talk back to you guys while I'm changing. And are you,
0: you going to listen to this one?
3: <laughs> yes. You know what? I'm going to listen to this one Good. because I always get nervous when I hear myself, but uh, I was a little nervous coming on here, but you guys are awesome, man. Thank all you. Right. Thank you for what you do for our city and keeping people informed. Thank you. All right. Thank you, John.
1: So uh, we talked with uh, John Lujan about uh, the District 118 election uh, last week. And uh, the same night, there there were big elections in Virginia and New Jersey. And I think the sort of takeaway that most people had was that it was a really tough night for Democrats. uh, In Virginia, Uh, the Republican candidate... Uh, Glenn Youngkin defeated former uh, Democratic Governor Terry McAuliffe in New Jersey. The Democrats were able to hold on by a, a slim margin to uh, the governor's office there. But there was a, a lot of discussion about um, where the country is right now. Obviously, the, the poll numbers haven't been great for Joe Biden. And, um, you know, the, the Youngkin was able to win in Virginia. He kind of distanced himself from Donald Trump, but was, uh, you know, made a quite a bit of critical race theory, which was a big issue for Trump, uh, last year. So, you know, Carrie, I, I guess I wanted to get your, when, when you started kind of seeing where the results were going in Virginia, um, you know, what, was what, what did you, what do you think the message was there? If there was a message,
2: you know, I, I think we have a tendency many times to, to, to to rush into a narrative of what some of these elections mean, and 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 no one panics right. the way Democrats panicked. Although I, I mean, <laughs> it was not a good. It was not a good, except for me, Cowboys and Spurs fans when things are good. But uh, it yeah. was not a good night. I mean, New Jersey was surprising because no one expect. I don't think anyone expected Murphy to be in that close of a race. Although New Jersey, you all, you know, you always have this this. Uh, going back and forth of, of Republicans and, and Democrats right. in, the, in the governor's mansion with uh, Virginia and Youngkin. I think one of the things I think, I don't think Youngkin ran a, a brilliant campaign and he obviously did mm-hmm. use critical race theory, but I, I, I think that he, what could be more troublesome for Democrats is that he showed there is a way mm-hmm. that you can cleave Trump from trumpism, because trump yep. didn't that's a great he point. stayed uh, uh Duncan didn't didn't wasn't at at uh, the rallies Trump was at, and Trump didn't go after him and mm-hmm. that's more troublesome to me is that uh that the message of 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 trump still will still resonate, and in particular it resonates with with white republican women or with white women
1: yeah. Well, we saw that 15 point difference among white women uh, from, you know, I think Biden carried the, 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 the white woman vote by one percent. And in this case, it flipped over to, to Yunkin by 14 percent. And so there's, you know, the obvious takeaway that people have is that, uh, you know, there were women who were just sort of disgusted by Trump and his personality um, and saw Yunkin putting out maybe a similar message, but doing it in a way that seemed more, more palatable. I mean, is it,
2: you think that's fair? I think that's exactly more palatable—that's the word. Okay.
1: No, but, you know, I was just going to ask you, Brent, because you know the the thing is about this. That I mean, there's there's been a long history of, uh, I mean, I think going back at least 40, 50 years, that presidents in their um, their first midterm, you know, their party tends to do really poorly. I mean, the, the big exception that I think uh, happened was George W. Bush, and that was because there was a lot of goodwill uh, in his direction uh, coming off of the nine eleven attacks. But you know, this even. Presidents who've won by big margins in their reelection uh, campaigns, like Ronald Reagan, they had they had rough m- midterms. So there's there's reason to think that that could happen this time with Biden. That people are going to be frustrated and uh, and they'll you know anxious about whether it's inflation or they're just tired of the, of the COVID um, you know pandemic and they'll they'll take it out on the on the party in power. But one of the things t- too is that you know that um, we're a year away from that. And uh, you and I were talking a little bit about that before we started. I mean, it, it's 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 really hard to know where things are going to be in a year, right?
0: Right. Yeah. And I mean, the, the sense I get for Biden is you know he's in a he's in a tough position. I mean, I think uh, you know some Democrats are feeling disappointed that you know his election didn't usher in you know sudden uh, a, a, a new era of uh, of uh, just the the antithesis of of Trump, where you know where things are working more smoothly and, and the economy is rebounding uh, quickly, which is obviously not necessarily the case with the supply chain issues and the gas prices and so forth. People people probably still feel like they're uh, w- we're stuck in a uh, you know the the new world order here that mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, the the COVID. Covid era, where you know we're still we're still in the Covid era, and and Biden was not a panacea for that. Um, and on the other end, uh, you know, there's probably some moderates who are uh, dismayed that uh, he appears to be supporting the more progressive elements in the Democratic Party. Um, and so, I think there's obviously a lot of chaos in the Democratic Party right now. Um, that you know they've they've been struggling to to they were struggling to pass the infrastructure bill, you know, Uh uh, and, uh, it's, it's just, there's, there's not a clear message from them in terms of, you know, here, here's, here's where we're headed. I think it's, I think, I think the world still feels very unstable right now and and uncertain. That's right. It's not, it's not helping Biden.
1: You know, Carrie on three days after the, the elections that we had last week, we had, um, some good economic news: five hundred and thirty-one thousand jobs created uh, in October. Mm-hmm. Uh, that night, Democrats were able; uh, House Democrats passed the infrastructure bill um, after some kind of weeks of uncertainty. There's still the 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 bigger, more ambitious um, reconciliation bill that you know is still kind of in limbo. But uh, there's some hope that, in some form, it's it's gonna it's gonna pass. Um, when you look at some of the, the, the more positive news that happened for Democrats and Biden on, on Friday, is that, is that giving, um, uh, them something to something to work with? Just, I mean, having the infrastructure bill, having some positive economic news, is that giving them something to work with? For, uh, you know, when they were, there was this kind of feeling of like, what are you actually getting
2: accomplished? It it does. And I, and I, and I think they've, they've had something to work with. It, 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 the news got better on Friday. Uh one, I, you know one of, i think one of the biggest everything that Brian just said i i agree with and i think uh the biggest issue that that biden has that his team is is that they're very poor in messaging because i mean yeah, they, you know you true. look at the vaccine when you look at the economy uh when you look at the things that people it's really it's strange because when you look at the things that people are really upset with it's almost like Biden's being penalized uh, for some of the things that his predecessor really effed up. And he's not, and (laughs) and the reception is, he's not acting fast enough to, to correct that. Uh, He's been a far more progressive president than I expected. You just look at the legislation, Mm -hmm. but I think that, that, uh, he, he, he and his team are very poor in the messaging department. And I also think that one one really legitimate concern I think that uh, some of his party ha- has is there has been a lack of urgency when it comes to mm-hmm. to voting suppression and mm-hmm. and the uh, the eclipse of, of, of voting rights. Uh, you know, and that's, and yeah. the last thing is that, you know, the problem with the Democrats is that it is a big it is a big tent. And what we've been, what's been playing out, is this is the uh, is the different factions, the moderates versus the progressives. Whereas on with with Republicans, there's no attempt to appeal to all sides within that party, which is why you have so many Republicans who have left it. So it makes it more difficult for Democrats, Democrats to have uh, a consensus. It's going to always make them look. I mean, Democrats are going to always look in disarray to begin with, but this kind of just accentuates uh, them being in disarray.
1: Yeah. And I think that when I when I when you, you know, you hear the, uh, you know, the let's go Brandon chance, everything, which, you know, uh, uh, you know, has, has has become kind of a, a thing in our culture in recent weeks, which is basically a way a code language way for people who hate Joe Biden to to say something, uh, you know, to use a profanity against him without uh, without actually doing it. And I, when I I have you know, in thinking about where where's that really coming from if you look at what people are are angry about, you know, because as you said, some of these things, supply chain issues, these are things that have to do with COVID. They predated him coming into office and everyone everyone's struggling with this and there and there's only so much he can do at this point. Um, and I think some of it has to do with just the the people who uh, politically on the political right who are frustrated about uh, mask mandates or vaccine mandates, they're kind of Directing all that anger at him, and a lot of a lot of these issues have really played out at you know school boards and it's at the state level, but a lot of it's being directed at him. And I think when he did kind of enter the fray and say, you know, businesses with a hundred or more people have to, uh, you know, they they have to have a vaccine mandate. I think that that kind of gave fuel to that decision among some people to kind of direct all that anger him, and, and I think when you look at the way this thing has played out with the pandemic, he instituted uh, that that action or recommended that action maybe seven or so months after he took office. I think his anticip- his expectation was that the, the challenge was going to be to get enough people vaccinated. We're going to get enough vaccine out for everybody, which was the challenge early on. I don't. I certainly didn't anticipate that we would have such a problem convincing so many people to get vaccinated and i think joe biden spent about 7 months thinking let's 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 just try to make the case for, for vaccines and then he reached a point of frustration with the delta variant and thinking okay we have to do more now but i don't think it's something he really wanted to do and i think that's the thing that that policy decision is probably um i mean i, I, I do you think so i mean do you think when 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 you start seeing this kind of thing where people are directing so much anger at him that that some of it has to do with you know with the mandates and him being blamed for that
2: no, I think you're completely right. I think that it that uh i mean we i mean last year we when we saw what was happening with with the anti anti masks, but a year ago at this time, none of us anticipated that there would be this kind of uh vitriol and outrage about the vaccines and you know early and when the early in the year we were on pace to to reach all these benchmarks that the administration had laid out. And then there came a point as the vitriol increased where uh, we we lost pace with that. And and thus, you know, comes talk about about the mandates. But I I think you're completely right that it's all it's 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 as much personal as it is about policy and and Biden Mm -hmm. is the is the uh, is the vehicle and the target for that.
1: That's right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll leave things there. It's going to give us a lot to talk about uh, over the next few months. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. hope everyone's doing well and uh, we'll be back with you next week. Take care.